Hello, this is your host, Craig Calhoun of The Other Side of the Brain, a podcast where I use my brain in unique ways and think through how I approach life. This podcast is brought to you by Instagram for making life one big competition. We can't escape it, and we have no idea what's real, and it controls our minds even when we're not thinking about it. In the previous episode, I discussed perfectionism. I am a perfectionist, and that episode went through different ways that perfectionism uh, detracts from my life and different strategies that I can use to diminish those negative effects. One extenuating factor of perfectionism is competition and how I am naturally a competitive person. So this episode will go more into competition and I will talk about specific strategies that I use to be aware of how competition is an aspect of how I think and how I operate and move through the world and how I can take control of that. As a reminder, from the previous episode, when I mentioned competition, I talked about how competition is built into who I am for better or worse. I have identified two different kinds of competition as they manifest in my life. One is with the people around me. So it's a direct comparison between me and the person next to me doing whatever task we're doing or whatever activity or in whatever room, in whatever sphere. The second is with the best and best is in air quotes. It's either the best in the world uh, a well-known artist or an athlete or an entrepreneur or my idea of what the best could be, which is going back to perfectionism. I typically pay a lot more attention to the second type of competition because I know that the people directly around me are most likely not the best. And I'm so competitive, I really want to be competing against the best because I want to be the best. This brings up an idea that I think a lot about, which is the old saying of a big fish in a small pond. I will use that idea throughout this podcast to help me wrap my head around how I operate in a venue, in a sphere. That sphere is the pond. It is the, the people I'm riding my bike with on a bike ride. It is the people I work with. It is the people on my team. It is my family. It is people I'm skiing with. It is people I'm talking to at a party. Basically, any venue where there are other people, that is a pond. The size of the fish is an idea of how one relates to that pond. For example, if a Canadian bobsledder went to Jamaica and bragged about being the best bobsledder, that's an example where they are big fish in a small pond. There aren't very many bobsledders in Jamaica. They're probably not the best bobsledders in the world. And that Canadian bobsledder is probably the best bobsledder among them, but they're a big fish in a small pond, meaning there's other ponds, other bigger ponds, more important ponds where the Canadian 
would probably not be a big fish. Another aspect of competition for me is my history. As you have heard from previous episodes, I've participated in many different sports and activities and music and academics at a high level. And all of these are different ponds. And every stage of my life had a different large pond. And every one of those was some kind of competition. So I have a lot of history basically competing my way through life. As you'll hear later, there's good aspects of that and bad aspects of that, but that definitely reinforced competition as uh, a central aspect of how I operate. So that's some basic background on how competition is part of my life and how I think about competition. The next section will go into how competition is good for me and how it is disruptive. Additional support for this podcast is brought to you by Google Maps for adding an ETA that's easily easily visible that turns every drive into a race. As with progress and perfectionism, the previous two episodes, competition has good and bad aspects. First, I'll cover the good. Competition is incredibly motivating for me. It really increases the urgency that I feel every single day. For example, with work, uh, it pushes me to arrive earlier and stay longer and work harder. It pushes me in athletics to, if I'm biking, ride longer and harder and compare my stats with my friends and with the locals and with uh, random people across the world who bike a lot, for example. Or if I'm out riding up a climb and I see somebody up in the distance, I'll push a little bit harder just to pass them, even though I have no idea who they are. And it really doesn't matter at all. It might, in fact, be uh, detrimental because I'm spending more energy than I planned to. It also pushes me to pay attention to details to have a better life. For example, I went to a friend's house for dinner a few weeks ago, and I was struck by the details of their home, how they deliberately put together the details to create a vibe. And I wanted to compete with that. And so now whenever I choose something for my house, like new furniture or new silverware, for example, I will be sure to pay attention to how that fits into the overall vibe of the house and try to make that as good as possible. Not just because it's it would be nicer to live, it would be a nicer home, but because I want to compete with those people. I want whenever someone walks into my home to strike them with the exact same feeling I got when I walked into my friend's home. Another example of how competition is motivating is today. So I worked a full work day today. I wasn't as productive as I wanted it to be. And in order to increase my ability to compete in my pond of my peers, I am pushing myself to record this podcast. And I got exercise. And I did yoga. And I'll probably cook something later today. And I will try to find other ways to 
build skills or stay up to date with the world, things like that, so that I can be a all-star candidate in that pond. Yes, a lot of those things are fun things, but one driving force is my competitive nature. Competition also allows me to recognize things that I do that are more likely to make me successful in the end. For example, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm very interested in starting my own company and I have ideas regularly. Some are good, some are bad, but my competitiveness helps me weed those out. I want to do what I'm good at and what is easy instead of struggling through something. I want to race from the front. My competitiveness is also disruptive in a few different ways. It often leads to disappointment when other people are better than me. Because I'm so competitive, I feel let down when I'm not the best. And that is sometimes a difficult emotion to deal with. And it makes navigating the world socially more difficult. It's hard to develop friendships when I'm constantly comparing myself with my friends. Like I I often feel sad or worried after socializing because I feel like I'm not the best of those people or better than an individual friend. I've often said to my, my partner, Maggie, how do I achieve this? And she's like, where did that come from? And I'm like, oh, I was talking to so-and-so last night about it. And she's like, they, they have a different life, you know, like don't compare yourself to them. So it's disruptive for me, but it's also disruptive for the friendship because it's a competition, not just a friendship. Also, if I'm always competing with people, when I'm one-upping them, I can alienate them. A funny story of this is when one of my friends, who I often go biking with, went out on his own and he attacked this one segment and he beat my time pretty handily on that segment and I wasn't on the ride or anything. And he called it out in our group chat and said, Hey, I, I, I beat Craig's time. I would say the gracious thing to do would be to just congratulate him and, and leave it at that. I did congratulate him, but then I went out a few days later and hit the segment really hard and I beat his, his time dramatically. And I didn't rub it in his face or anything, kept it to myself, but he learned and he said, you couldn't let me just have one. I think he's fine with it. He laughed it off, but especially when I was younger, this constant drive to one up everyone with every single competition, whether it was success or academics or even possessions or family or whatever, really can wear on other people. Another aspect of the the social side of competition is that I'm often disappointed when other people are worse than I expect. This kind of plays into the perfectionism that I already discussed, but it might be a little bit different here. I want to compete with the best, and I want the people around me to push me to be the best that I can be. So it is frustrating when the people around me aren't the best. It can feel like a waste of my time. Luckily, a lot of my friends are very high achieving people, but I often find this with 
people at work or people in society that I meet and interact with. Another disruptive aspect of my competitiveness is that it is very difficult to do my best when my best feels so far off of the best. So in my perfectionist brain, if I define the best or if I see someone being the best, someone, the big fish in my little pond, and I see a great distance between me and that, it is often very difficult to take that first step uh, to do my best when I know it'll be a lot of work and a difficult journey to be the best. And that's disruptive because oftentimes my best is enough or it's something I don't want to invest super heavily in. So that can kind of disrupt the flow of my life. In that same vein, it's hard to focus on an individual skill because I want to be the best at everything. For example, I could probably be a much better cyclist, closer to being the best cyclist, if I focused entirely on cycling and only did that. But I also want to be a great downhill skier and a great cross-country skier and a great triathlete. And all of those different goals, those different competitions are at odds with each other because having specified training for a single activity would be best for that one activity. Oftentimes a competition pushes me to work hard on something that isn't natural for me. I feel like my work may be a good example of this. I chose computer science when I first entered Middlebury College because I enjoyed that first class and because I knew you could be paid well as a software engineer. And I saw tons of stories of millionaires and billionaires developing software products. And so I chose that even though the subsequent classes were extremely difficult for me. And at the same time, I was in other classes that were easier. And I had a natural path towards succeeding in that competition. Who knows how this would actually shake out. Maybe I didn't get far enough along in those other areas to feel that difficulty, um, that to get over the hump, essentially. And I'm very happy where I am now. But I always wonder if I have a better calling out there where I am naturally set up for that competition that I put myself in. This section went over the positives and negatives of my competitiveness. And in the next section, I will talk about strategies that I use to limit the disruptive aspects of competitiveness and heighten the positives. On that note, Strava is a proud supporter of this podcast. They're not actually. This is because they foster competition on every single ride, whether you're with others or on your own. One of the most important aspects that I try to keep in mind in order to diminish the negative effects of my competitiveness is the pond that I'm currently competing in. Whether that's a group ride where I'm competing with the other riders in the group or a certain Strava segment where I'm competing against my friends or a Strava segment where I'm competing against all-time riders or my coworkers that I'm sitting with at work or anybody who graduated from Dartmouth in 2019, 
Awareness of the different pawns is a vital starting point for understanding how competitiveness affects me day to day. I first realized this when I was at Dartmouth and I was working on a group project with five or six other Dartmouth engineering students. We were working on a project with an outside company. And at one point we had some difficulties with this outside company and we talked to our mentor at Dartmouth and they said, you have to remember, not everyone is a Dartmouth student or alum. And what he meant by that is that at Dartmouth, people were well-educated, thoughtful, kind, competitive, and not everyone's like that. And when you go out into the outside world, there are people who think differently, have different backgrounds, have different perspectives. And he was urging us to learn to work with those people and to not be disappointed when those people didn't meet our high expectations. I think about that often when I'm interacting with the world and with different ponds. I need to understand where different ponds intersect and where I sit in the variety of different ponds around me. Another example that came up just a few days ago happened when I was lounging by a pool in Florida. A man was in the pool with his two sons chatting with his mother who lived in this community that we were enjoying the pool of, and he was bragging constantly about his achievements and how he could, he was the best at this and the best at that. And then it came up that he lives in Michigan. He's actually moving from a city in Michigan to farther afield in Michigan. And that he at one point was thinking of moving to California, but he never made it there. And the first thing that popped into my, my mind was, oh, he didn't want to be a small fish in a big pond. He wanted to stay as a big fish in a little pond because that's all he knows and his ego is tied to that. Whether he knew it or not, he may have had some awareness of the pond and he chose to stay in the small pond. And my awareness of his ponds helped me understand who he was and why he was behaving in such a abrasive manner. The second thing to be aware of is the trade-offs of competition. By leaning into a certain competition, there are always things that you have to lean away from. When I was in high school, I was skiing a lot, cross-country skiing and racing, traveling all over the country to race. I was playing music and traveling actually all over the world to play music. And I was academically competitive as well. I also prioritized academics because I knew that it was the best way to prepare for the future that I wanted. And often I would be approached by coaches or mentors and say, and they would say, so why didn't you do that race? Or why didn't you do that extra training day? Or why couldn't you come to this special rehearsal or camp? And I would have to explain that I want to do all these things. I didn't want to give up skiing to play music or music to ski. And I still needed to achieve at a high level at school. And that meant that I was giving up a certain level of competitiveness in those individual areas. Luckily, I was aware of 
those trade-offs and I could keep those in mind as I navigated that time of my life. Those were probably easy to navigate because they're actual scheduling conflicts for the most part. But every competition has trade-offs in one way or another. A very physiological trade-off is that any competition above a certain level could trigger the evolutionary fight-or-flight response. If you really get wound up about a competition, that can be your body's natural response. And that has negative consequences because it can raise your blood pressure, it can make you lash out, it can give you panic attacks, things like that. And by being aware of that competition and understanding that possibility, I can limit that response and basically maintain control throughout that instance of competition. Another trade-off is how you're perceived by others. If you get into a loud argument, which is a form of a competition, someone who overhears that, who isn't even part of that argument, maybe someone you've never met, could have a very different impression of me. And that's a subtle trade-off, but it's an important one. All those little compromises, all those little trade-offs, those ripple effects add up over time to make you who you are. One buzzword that I've heard a lot over the last few years is building your brand. One of the most important things to keep in mind when trying to build a brand is these tiny little trade-offs and ripples and how they affect your brand. If you want your brand to include kindness and forgiveness, that will very easily be ruined by everyone in your office hearing you yell at a single peer or a single employee. And so being aware of those trade-offs, big or small, scheduling or little ripple effects is very important. Along with those aspects of awareness and the control that is inherent in building that awareness, there are a few other aspects of control that I keep in mind as I navigate the world. One is that I try to hold my cards close to my chest. I know who I am and what I can do, and there's no need letting it all out of the bag at the smallest competition. Additionally, it's impossible to know who you're up against. And so if I let out exactly how strong I was on a bike ride on the first climb, then I'd be blown away on the second climb by somebody who's probably stronger than me. And so having the control and the awareness to say, this is the pond. These are the trade-offs of the competition. This is what I can do allows me to then navigate that situation a lot more deliberately and with much better results. The final thing I'll say before summarizing all this is that competition should stay on the playing field. When I think back on how competition has shaped my life, some of the hardest times, some of the times when the trade-offs were most severe, 
was when I allowed that competition to seep off of the playing field. The biggest impacts that competition has had on my mental health is when that seep is present. When I was in college and playing Ultimate Frisbee at Middlebury, I wasn't great at Ultimate Frisbee. I was pretty good. I made the A team, I played fairly often, but I wasn't the best. And I wasn't progressing at the rate that I wanted to. That year was one of the hardest years for me from a mental health perspective. Yes, there were a lot of other aspects that contributed to that, but this certainly was one of them and it caused me to quit the team at the end of the year. I was taking those emotions, that competitiveness with me when I left the field, taking it into my dorm room at night, taking it to the dining hall during the day, and it wore me down day after day. And if I had been able to walk away from the field and left negative emotions that resulted from my competitiveness on the field, I would have been much happier. So to summarize all of this, my competitiveness, for better or for worse, is an aspect of who I am that shapes everything I do, sometimes subtly, sometimes not. I have developed and continue to practice building awareness of the area I'm competing in and who I'm competing with, along with the trade-offs of that competition so that I can control my competitiveness and choose the battles I want to fight and separate myself from the competition. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm sure that everyone has different stories and responses to competition, and I would love to hear how you deal with your own competitiveness and turn it into your ally instead of your enemy. Also, I'm always looking for future episode prompts and ideas, so send them my way. I'd love to think through something that's totally new to me and come up with a podcast about it. Please follow if you're interested leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and get out there and have a great day.